welcome to the next episode of the May We Approach podcast. I'm Shelly. I'm Paris. I'm Maya. And I'm Avery. And we are back with you after a long, long, long break. <laughs> right. We haven't recorded an episode in a few months. <laughs> Forgive us. Things have been a little hectic. <laughs> right. Just a tad. Uh, but we're back with you uh, with some topics for tonight. <laughs> it is October 13th. And so um, we're going to cover some stuff that's not technically brand new news, but it's things that happen since we haven't talked. So that's what we're going to do today. Yeah. Uh, and just so y'all know, we've been talking and we're probably going to go to doing uh, bi-weekly episodes because weekly is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a whole lot. So we're probably going to go to bi-weekly episodes going forward, but we are back with you and we intend to be here for the duration. So let's get started. Avery has our opening statement for tonight. Yes, ma'am. And our opening statement comes from Mr. Jesse Williams. Um, you guys may know him as Jackson Avery on Grey's Anatomy. He's um, a very prominent activist right now. And his quote states, if an entire police department doesn't trust the system they are sworn to protect, how can those under its boots and gun be expected to? Mm. Clap, 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 snap, 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 because it's the truth. <laughs> it really is, though. It really <laughs> is. If, y'all, if you don't trust the system that you work for, how can anybody else? It, it well, doesn't make know. any sense. It really doesn't. At all. Okay. We would be completely out of order and out of line to start anywhere other than the tragic passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Y'all. <laughs> My feelings are so hurt. Uh, I just knew she was going to hang on until after the election. She almost made and it out. She almost made it out. God called her home, but... My goodness, what they are trying to replace her with is atrocious, but Hmm. this is, yeah. But Ruth, girl, we miss you already. So the legendary Ruth Bader Ginsburg died September 18th um, of this year at the age of 87. Um, She passed from complications of metastatic pancreatic cancer. Um just kind of some background. I mean, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, who doesn't know, but just a little background on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She attended Cornell University, Harvard Law, and Columbia Law. She was the first female member of the Harvard Law Review. She graduated first in her class at Columbia Law in 1959. Um, She directed the influential women's rights project of the the American Civil Liberties Union during the 1970s. And eventually she was appointed to the um, U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia by Jimmy Carter in 1980. Uh, She served in that judgeship position for 13 years before President Bill Clinton appointed her to the Supreme Court in 1993. And that is where she has been ever since. Fighting the good fight for women's rights is one of her big biggies, like feminist icon, truly feminist freaking icon, but um, all kinds of things. But she's probably best remembered for her her feminist kind of stances. Um, 
So uh, on her passing, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts said, our nation has lost a jurist of historic stature. We at the Supreme Court have lost a cherished colleague. Today we mourn, but with confidence that future generations will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we knew her, a tireless and resolute champion of justice. Um, In recent years, she's become a... Uh, like I said, she's a feminist icon, but she's become kind of a pop culture icon. There's lots of Ruth Bader Ginsburg merch. <laughs> um, feminist. Notorious kinda, RBG. Yeah, yeah, I have a t-shirt mm-hmm. that says Notorious RBG. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's become a, a feminist icon. Uh, Justice Elena Kagan also... Um, made a statement on her passing. Uh, She said, it makes absolute sense that Justice Ginsburg has become an idol for younger generations. Her impact on America and American law has been extraordinary. As a litigator and then as a judge, she changed the face of American anti-discrimination law. She can take credit for making the law of this country work for women, and in doing so, she made possible my own career. And that, that honestly, like the, the doors that Ruth Bader Ginsburg opened, the ceilings that she, she kind of shattered and just marched on through opened a lot of doors for a lot of female attorneys. Many people, including Amy Coney Barrett, would not be where they were in their career <laughs> without the trailblazing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So, I mean, it's just... It's, Absolutely. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Prior to her passing, um, she dictated a statement to her granddaughter that said, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Mm. The last president, the one I like, he made a statement. He said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought to the end through her cancer with unwavering faith in our democracy and its ideals. That's how we remember her. But she also left instructions for how she wanted her legacy to be honored. Four and a half years ago, when Republicans refused to hold a hearing or an up or down vote on Merrick Garland, they invented the principle that the Senate shouldn't fill an open seat on the Supreme Court before a new president was sworn in. A basic principle of the law and of everyday fairness is that we apply rules with consistency and not based on what's convenient or advantageous in the moment. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden said um, he praised Justice Ginsburg as a giant in the legal profession, called her a beloved figure, and encouraged people to focus on the loss of the justice and her enduring legacy. And then he continued on to add that, but there is no doubt, let me be clear, that the voters should pick the president and the president should pick the justice for the Senate to consider. Um, and that was the the stance of the entire Republican Party and all the white wing crazies um, just about, you know, four and a half years ago when Antonin Scalia died during Obama's last year in office. But the only difference really is that Scalia died in like February. Like, yeah, he died like eight months before right, the election. Prior. By the time um, Justice Ginsburg died and they were kind of beginning to start proceedings as for what they're going to do with the Supreme Court, people were already voting. Like early voting has started. People are voting. Uh We're not voting. Not yet. But people are voting. So they are Uh currently trying to um, 
jam through this Supreme Court nominee, which we're going to get to in a second. Um, so Mitch McConnell in 2016 said, this nomination ought to be made by the president. We're in the process of electing this year. This is not about this particular judge. This is about who should make the appointment. We're in the process of picking the president and that new president ought to make this appointment, which will affect the Supreme court maybe for the next quarter of a century. So just a mere four years later, Mitch McConnell now says, Americans reelected our majority in 2016 and expanded it in 2018 because we pledged to work with President Trump and support his agenda, particularly his outstanding appointments to the federal judiciary. Once again, we will keep our promise. President Trump's nominee will receive a vote on the floor of the United States Senate. Well, isn't that nice? <laughs> his quote didn't age well. Did it? Oh, oh, I have one that aged worse. One that aged worse. Lindsey Graham. <laughs> South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham said in 2016, I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say Lindsey Graham said, let the next president, whoever it may be, make the nomination. In 2018, Lindsey Graham said, if an opening comes in the last year of President Trump's term and the primary process has started, we'll wait to the next election. Spoiler alert, the primary process has been over for freaking months. We are mm -hmm. currently yeah. in the general election. Yeah. That's what has started. That was two years ago. But today, mm -hmm. 2020, Lindsey Graham said, after the treatment of Justice Kavanaugh, I now have a different view of the judicial confirmation process. Compare the treatment of Robert Bork, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Brett Kavanaugh to that of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sonia, uh, Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan. And it's clear that there is already one set of rules for a Republican president and one set of rules for a Democratic president. I therefore think it is important that we proceed expeditiously to process any nomination made by President Trump to fill this vacancy. I am certain if the shoe were on the other foot, you would do the same. I mean, this, I mean, this, the hypocrisy. Why? Like, I, it's just not a fair situation. Just look at it in all. your face. Like, it's, it's just in your face. Like, fuck. Like, I, and I'm saying F him because he's saying F y'all. Like, mm. F the country. Like, forget what y'all want. We're going to do what we want. And My that's word not fair at nothing. all. Yeah. Word, like, words mean nothing. Your your word is usually mostly what you stand on in, 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 in cases of life, right? And as a politician. Not with these folks. Oh, gosh. It's just like. And I mean, and even with the polls, not necessarily just the presidential polls, but even with the polls of asking, you know, when do, mm -hmm. asking Americans, when do you want right. the Supreme Court justice to be appointed? And I mean, like, I think it was like 70 some percent don't was like, this. <laughs> don't want it now. Like, wait. wait until after, you know, the presidential election to do this. And you are like spitting in set over 70% of Americans' faces just telling them I'm gonna do what I want. I and that's not that's not fair. I got one more set of lies. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado Senator Cory Gardner. 
2016. I think we're too close to the election. The president who was elected in November should be the one who makes this decision. Our next election is too soon and the stakes are too high. The American people deserve a role in the process as the next Supreme Court justice will influence the direction of this country for years to come. 2020. I have and will continue to support judicial nominees who will protect our Constitution, not legislate from the bench, and uphold the law. Should a qualified nominee who meets this criteria be put forward, I will vote to confirm. They're so precious. That's, it's just... Um... um Republican alleged swing votes, uh, Susan Collins and that other lady, Lisa Murkowski, they both said that they don't uh, think that this should happen, but you need at least four of them to say something different. People were hoping that uh, Mitt Romney would be that, or at least one of those four. Mitt Romney swiftly came out and was like, no, I'm cool. We're going to vote. So, um, there's really not a lot of hope, but, you know, let's let's keep going. So on September 26th, at what some people have called the, the Rose Garden Massacre. Mm, 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 mm. That's a word. That's that's a title to give it up. <laughs> Technically, up. nobody's died, but some no, people did get but... sick. So, you know. Mm, 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 okay. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, September 26, 2020, Donald Trump nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett of the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's now vacated seat in the Supreme Court. Um, Amy Barrett is a Trump appointee. He nominated her on May 8, 2017, and she was confirmed to the Seventh Circuit October 31st, 2017. So, you know, long time. <laughs> Jesus. I was about to say that what's 2017 to 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. I've been a lawyer that long. Shit. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a lawyer a year longer. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I got sworn in October 20th, 2016. So yeah, a, a year longer. Jesus help me. Girl. She's a law professor, or she has been a law professor at uh, Notre Dame Law School. She taught civil procedure, con law, and statutory interpretations. She used to clerk for, wait for it, Antonin Scalia. Um, <laughs> Jesus. She has repeatedly questioned the validity of the ruling in the ACA, um, Brown versus the Board of Education, and Roe v. Wade. She's a monster, basically. Mm -hmm. She published an article that said uh, Brown versus the Board of Education was improperly decided. Uh... But this is why they're pushing her, right? Because she serves the same agenda that they want. And they feel like, you know, even in this situation, they get a lifetime appointment out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like just, you know, voting and there's a, you know, a every. <laughs> two, four years, or whatever the case may be, like, they know that if they put her on that bench, that is somebody that they know for sure will work towards what they want in this country, regardless of majority of us not feeling the same way. Mm 
I was listening, I think, to NPR this morning, and they said, uh, based on kind of the things that she said and some of the decisions that she's made, if she is confirmed to the court, which I don't think there's really any hope she won't be, um, if she is confirmed to the Supreme Court, she will be the third most conservative justice behind uh, Alito and Thomas. So, yeah. That's it's not insane. looking good for us. <laughs> so, and and I, I read this as a lawyer. I should know this, but I want to talk to y'all about it. So even when we were always taught that Supreme Court is the law of the land. So what happens if the legislative branch makes law against, like, you know, we were talking about how she feels about Roe v. Wade, right? And let's say that they overturn Roe v. Wade. Is there an option for the legislative branch to come in and reverse that? Like federally and stuff? They could pass new legislation, but generally the um, arguments against some of these um, controversial um, issues or these controversial decisions that have already been made has been that um, they think the basically the federal government should not be interfering in things that they think should be for the state to decide so presumably if they overturn it based on something like that and the legislature makes not the legislature congress <laughs> and congress makes a, a a new law then yeah. if it goes back to them presumably they would um declare it unconstitutional again with the same six three makeup we're going to be looking yeah. at uh, i figured that it's not looking great over here, guys. Um, no. I, I just, I, I remember, like, telling people in 2016 that the only thing that mattered was the Supreme Court. And people looking at me like I was nuts. Um, I remember kind of thinking that he was going to at least get to, most likely, and hopefully that'd be it. And like we said, we almost made it out, but... 87 ain't shabby for anybody. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was going in and out of the hospital so often. Um, she, she fought she tried. like hell. Yeah, she fought like hell. She she definitely tried, but I mean, you never know. You might have some people. I mean, strange things happen. You never know. You might have someone here and there that will turn on them. Who knows? And I guess the, the more upsetting part, too, is the fact that we know that those who think like her, you know, even though law should be unbiased and it should be balanced, we know that that's not the case with certain types of people and certain people's thought process. Like, I don't think she would be fair. She's going to allow her own thoughts of things to dictate what she what she chooses, Which you know? Definitely gonna. <laughs> definitely yeah, gonna. and I mean, you know, because, like, it's okay to have your own personal thoughts and whatnot, but if you're going to be a judge, don't let those dictate how you proceed with things. But I really feel like the background I've heard about her, she's already done that before. So she describes herself as an originalist, which Scalia is as well, which basically just means that they like to interpret the Constitution basically as it was written with the mindset of the people that were writing it at the time. 
So basically, so, with human traffickers and like murderers, right? And, murderers, I was just about to and say, rapists. So, and, so basically, yeah. we have she wants we have to, no evolution in thought process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She wants to interpret the Constitution in the way of when it was written. So at the time Racist it was written, white men wrote. None wrote of it? us were even full people thought but, about you know no we weren't even full people we were we three-fifths of damn person we were three th- yeah. right, so right. i mean but that's what you you want to do amy really R- really okay hmm. so the nomination happened on the 28th or 26th and yesterday october 12th they started basically the senate hearing she's been being questioned uh, on the senate floor for the last couple of days i have refused to watch to be perfectly honest i haven't watched I, it either I, I, that, no matter what she says which from what i heard she didn't say much today she spent all day dodging questions which duh but of course uh, <laughs> right yeah i mean what she's not gonna they're gonna ask her she's you not gonna over- tell the truth they're gonna ask, they asked her are you gonna overturn roe v wade and she evaded the question they, i mean that, that this is what else she gonna say uh but honestly she could say hell yes and they were still gonna put her on the damn court Absolutely. so i haven't been watching because honestly my heart can't take it I, I just i can't take it whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen but i i, I agree i don't have to watch yeah. it <laughs> i have not watched a single second of it like mm-hmm. i have not watched it i don't think that i'm going to because it's just a very yeah it's i, I, I can't it's do sad it. so pretty much this is the general sentiment around the whole democratic party uh and because of that people have started talking about um some possible futuristic uh <laughs> solutions to to the problem of the court because like killing people no no no. less illegal come on less illegal than that um so the the one that's kind of been getting the most buzz it it came up in the debates uh both debates which we we will get to but uh it's the issue of packing the court so packing the court, just in layman's terms, means expanding the number of justices on the Supreme Court. Um, this is not the first time this has been talked about. Uh, FDR kind of um, um, threatened <laughs> to do this when the Supreme Court was overturning some of his New Deal uh, legislation way back back in the day. Uh, but he did not... Um, expand the number of justices right now. I'm sure everyone knows, but so we're all on the same page. There's nine justices on the United States Supreme court. Uh, what is being proposed is increasing the number. I've heard different, um, different final numbers. Uh, so the biggest thing is you always need an odd number. So they're not going to, so there is not going to be a tie. Um, so nine, 11, I've heard different numbers being floated around. I've heard 11, uh, and then I also heard of a couple different ways to kind of do things. But so basically what people are saying is that Democrats should just add some additional justices. Uh, they're talking about adding two, which would bring us to 11 to balance out um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's the, well, the seats to balance out the basically the picks that were stolen from the Democratic president, presuming Biden wins. Um, so it's basically taking back the Scalia pick and the, uh, Ginsburg pick because Scalia was the one they wouldn't hear. That was Mayor Garland. And then this foolishness they're about to do right now. Um, for the most part, it hasn't like 
this is kind of talk or not fringe Democrats, but this is kind of talk amongst us. I haven't heard a whole lot of establishment people in Washington kind of talking about it, but that also could be a tad strategic because talking like this scares the shit out of some people, <laughs> which is why they've been, the Republicans have been trying so hard to nail down an answer. Um, it was asked in the presidential debate between Biden and Trump. Biden didn't answer. It was asked again, technically by Mike Pence. I shouldn't have to answer because you ain't the moderator. But Mike Pence asked Kamala Harris in the VP debate the same thing, and sis did not answer either. Um, them not answering about their intentions on packing the court is what actually makes me think they might really be going to do this. Because prior to that, I was like, oh, people were just talking. But then when they, neither one of them would actually answer the direct question, I was like, wait, so we talking about this? <laughs> are, are we considering this? Is, is this what we're going to do? So I don't know because they no one will say, but um, we will see. The number has been fixed at nine justices since 1869. It's a long time, but the Republicans have no problem turning over longstanding traditions and precedents, you know, when it's convenient for them. So I have few problems with this other than when power slings back the other way right there can be issues that's really my only problem otherwise i'm just like you know what bang bang guns bang and do whatever like i'm fine but but i have concerns about what happens when the when the power swings the other way yeah um i wonder if they think like if this is a real realistic thing that they're thinking about right i I wonder if they think that if power does swing back, it's not some, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Not barbaric, but, you know, maybe it's not as extreme as it is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that was, you know, maybe that's a thought process if it's realistic, because that would be my only issue is, okay, so what happens if Biden is it becomes president and let's say he gets two terms? So what happens after that? Do we get another, you know, like mm-hmm. when it, when the power swing, if they swing, right, do we swing back to some crazy ass person like we have now? <sighs> Will we, you know, do we, would we have, even if it's not in the same party that you agree with, will they be that extreme as we have now, you know? Right. So I, I wonder if that's a thought process of, we'll never have another extreme as president like we have right now. Yeah. But who could have foreseen him coming in the first place? Yeah. Ugh, whatever. Mm. He's an um, embarrassment. He really is. Y'all he's, he's, he's the, <laughs> the worst. Uh, to change the number of justices though, is as simple as passing legislation. So to do this, presumably all one would need uh, is the presidency and both chambers of Congress. So, um, I was listening to um, a podcast this morning, and they were they said that um, basically it's like a seventy something percent chance of Democrats winning the Senate, um, like ninety something of keeping the House, and then the presidency is the real who the hell knows. Although Biden is way ahead nationally, so is Hillary. He's been ahead for months. He has not trailed Trump in months. And I'm still like, we're going to see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get my hopes up. But I do feel like, you know, 
every four years, a new generation is able to register to be voters. And usually the new generation is more liberal because these kids now are more open with who they are. They They're are more not, liberal, but are yeah. their asses coming to the polls? Because think, normally the younger generation is the most liberal generation and they're also the least likely to, to that's actually true. vote. That's true. But I'm wondering or I'm hoping that as important as this election is, um, that those numbers will, you know, rise up, you know? Prayerfully. Currently, we can't even get these people in Louisiana to, to complete their census. I, I don't I don't understand. Oof. Like, there's some basic parts of being, like, a decent <laughs> citizen that aren't even hard. This mm-hmm. just takes, like, five minutes. I, I just, Barely. I, you can do it online. I did it online. I did it so fast. Brittany didn't know I had done it. We did this. Yeah, we did the census. I, I did yeah, the census. We, did we it. are it's, counting. It's, I, don't, it's I don't understand what's wrong with y'all. I, I don't. I don't understand. My dad sent me that text like 50 million times. I was like, I did that like months ago. Right. right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's when I realized Britton didn't know I had done it because his grandmother called and asked him, like, baby, y'all done the census yet? And he was like, I, Shelly, did we do the census? Yeah, we did the census. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We did it like we last did it. month. We did it. And this was in the spring. We did it. Because they keep pushing back the deadline. I did it before the original deadline. Like, mm-hmm. it's been done. The census is done. I don't understand. Uh, but another um, fix to the Supreme Court that is being um, floated or talked about, kind of discussed in Democratic circles, which this one seems more realistic to me, is instead of justices having a lifetime appointment, having term limits. I kind of like this one. Uh, because it, I do, I do kind of yeah, like that. Yeah, because some of these people, like, there, there's no logical, real reason reason why that why, why that shit yeah, yeah like why ruth Bader ginsburg had to hold on to this seat with all of her damn being at 87 years old because mm-hmm. it's until you die or or retire like there, right. there's really no logical reason for that the only reason that um that the only real reason that I've ever remember kind of hearing about the lifetime appointments is that you don't have to worry about being reelected. So you can make whatever decisions that you really think are best because there's no fear of retribution from voters or other politicians, which right. fine, I get that. Um, so what they're actually, um, what's actually kind of being talked about is to have appointments. So you get 18 years, it would be 18 year appointment of uh, 18 year term. Um, and they would serve on the Supreme Court for 18 years. After the 18 years is up, they would still be allowed to serve as a judge on a lower court, just not a Supreme Court justice. They would still be a judge, all that jazz. Um, this is actually, I'm, I'm talking from a bill that has been introduced by Democratic representatives, uh, Connor and Kennedy and Beyer. Connor, Kennedy and Beyer, this is already out there supreme court term limits act that's what i'm talking about so what they propose is 18 year term limits um to make it more um i guess palatable for republicans because that's the only people that would care they're going to exempt the current justices from these term limits so they're going to let them keep their little six three but uh this would go for anybody else that is that is nominated to become a Supreme court justice um, so it would make it that every president 
would have the opportunity to appoint two justices. Is basically how the the numbers and the time will work. That out. seems fair. Every president will be able to appoint two um, during their first four years in office. Um, they would nominate. So the way the math will work out, they would nominate their first year in office, and then again their third year in office. Um, the justices that have finished their eighteen years would be called senior justices. <laughs> And um, if someone were to die, if there was a vacancy, one of the senior justices could come back and fill that vacancy until such a time that um, the next vacancy will be filled by whoever will be the next president coming up. So it takes out like this. That sounds fair. All this chaos and craziness. Mm -hmm. Like it cuts out some of that and gives like an actual, this is how the process works kind of feel to it. Um, I... I think it will work with the times, too, because, I mean, you have people on there for 30 years with the same or 20 years and whatnot with the same mindset they had when they first got on there. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the times and the and society has changed from then. And you now have the ability to make the law of the land with your unevolved mindset. Mm hmm. So. Cause that's part of the problem with Amy. She's young. Amy is not old. I think she's like forty-five mm -mm. or something like that. Like she's not old. She's going to live forever. Oh yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. that. That is that is an issue. Not that she's living forever. That's not the issue. You want people to have long, healthy lives, whatever. But the problem is that you're living forever on my Supreme Court. <laughs> 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 it's not yeah. life in and of itself. It's what you're going to do with this life, girl. It's like we were living forever with her. Like, <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, I don't want you in my to, house. You yes. Know? <laughs> it's like you have to yeah. move in and live here now. Ma'am, I don't I don't want you. Can you just live forever with your children? Ruining their right. lives? Would that be fine? Right. Just ruin your own kids' lives. It's okay. I know um, where I am in the parish I'm at, that once your judge gets a certain age, they judges age out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't run anymore. I think it's I think it's statewide. You can't run anymore after you've hit the age of seventy. You're done. Yep. Yeah. But for some context, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was eighty seven. Eighty seven, <laughs> trying to hold on to that spot because she knew what it was. Absolutely. Yeah. She knew absolutely. What it was. Yeah, it's not shade to her for hanging she, on. She, I mean, I, she did it. She worked she did with the situation us. at hand. Like that. Yeah. That's different. But just some context, Louis, the state of Louisiana says you are not allowed to run for judge after age 70. But Ruth was still there at 87. That I think, I mean, I think we can do better than that. Just yeah. mm -hmm. as a country, I think we can, we can mm -hmm. just do better than that. Um, so I'm conflicted about the court packing because, like I said, I'm worried about uh, retribution down the road. But the term limits, I can get behind. I'm, I'm I can actually get behind sure. the term limits too because I mean I get why they are not there but to have somebody like what's her face with her thoughts and ideals with her being under the age of 50 that means once she becomes appointed to the Supreme Court she will be on that court with, if she doesn't have any complications of life for at least the next 30 years. Mm -hmm. 30. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts and ideals for the for the law of the land for the next 30 years. If I'm right and she's 45, that gives her 43 years. 
if she if she lives the same amount of time as Ruby yeah, Bader Ginsburg. It's closer. It's closer to fifty. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So mm-hmm. y'all, like, like, mm-hmm. really think about that. Like, think about the type of woman that this this lady is, the types of things that she's done, the the types of remarks she's made about you know uh, about cases such as. Roe v. Wade and such as Brown versus the Board of Education. Yeah, I think it's the Brown like, one that, that strikes yeah. me harder because <laughs> Roe v. Wade and the ACA, like those have been like recently controversial topics. Sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think they should be controversial. I think her stances are dumb, but that's not really the point. Who the hell is still arguing about Brown versus the Board of Education? Right. Nobody should be. That that's here, not a controversial topic are. at this point. At least it should not be. It should this not is 2020. Be. That what? Like the brown took be. me back further than Roe or the ACA. I what? What do you mean brown right. was decided incorrectly? Uh-huh. Right. Well, what was incorrect about it, Mary? Wow, I cannot. So just think about that mindset being on your Supreme Court for basically close to the next 50 years. And we know that the reason why it's a lifetime appointment is because they don't want the judges to be manipulated by anything else. So her her thought process won't be manipulated by anything else. Nope. Or it shouldn't be anyway. But but this is why at the end of the day, Shelly was screaming in 16, if you don't vote for anything else, vote for your Supreme Court justices. And here we are. He got three of them. Three, like how? All right, fine, America, fine. <laughs> like it, it gives it gives me horrible, horrible, eerie vibes of like of Handmaid's Tale and how like the government just kind of did its own thing. They're gonna do this without even bombing the Capitol. Go figure. Like I mm. mean, it's it's insane. Like it's a literally over seventy percent of Americans are saying wait till after the election and. The Republicans are like, no, like <laughs> we're not doing that. You think we're going to sit here and care about what you think? You of think we're going to stand not. on the words we already said? Why would we do that? Why would we do that? Why would we do that? You know, <sighs> hypocrisy is what we do. This is how we run shit. <laughs> Speaking of <sighs> hypocrisy, Trump had COVID-19, y'all. <laughs> but did 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 he really? It's a hoax. Like the 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 timeline isn't working out for me. Well, I I my I think my my guess is the timeline issue is really more that he had it earlier than he told us than anything uh, else. That's where I am, and I think they lied okay. about some negative tests that they just. I don't think they got negative tests. I just don't think they do. I don't think they have them. I, I mean, think he was positive at the debate with Joe Biden. To be perfectly honest. I think he was positive already when that happened. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any way he wasn't positive already when that happened because I think it was the next day that uh, Hope Hicks started showing symptoms. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't believe you. I'm sorry. He himself was feeling sick like the next day. So let's get into it because I'm, I'm annoyed. So like we said, he held this massacre, this Rose Garden massacre on September 26th. Uh, there were 150 people present. Two indoor receptions, and there were few to no masks. Of Um, course, no masks. Seating was not socially distanced, and, you know, it was just a good old time in the Rose Garden. (laughs) Like, you know, no pandemic is happening. Um, On September 29th, 
there was the first presidential debate, if we're going to call it that, between Trump and Biden. Uh, They both were live and in person, unmasked, on stage in Cleveland. Uh, They were significantly distanced, but they were on stage unmasked together on the 29th. Um, they were supposed to both get negative coronavirus tests before, you know, they got there for them, their staffs and their families. But Trump and his people arrived too late to be tested uh, on site. And so they admitted them all into the debate hall based on the quote unquote honor system. (laughs) Y'all looking at me blinking. Because it's like, it's, it's. I forget that the, our like, listeners can't see our faces. Like, like I forget I, sometimes. I, we, we might need to start turning this into a YouTube because, like. <laughs> y'all looking at me with Blake stares. Like, I didn't say words. I'm just telling y'all what happened. <laughs> it's, it's as if, I don't, y'all, I, I, you know what? I don't have any words. I don't have any. So I, the very I, next day, on September 30th, Hope Hicks, who I can't remember her official job title. I mean, who cares? She works real close with Trump. Uh, She started feeling sick and exhibiting symptoms while they were returning on Air Force One from Minnesota. On the airplane, she quarantined herself because, you know, recycled air. Um, (laughs) Jesus. Uh, (laughs) On the same day, then the 30th, Trump had also started to feel sick. Um, he wasn't like showing crazy symptoms, but he started to feel bad on the same day on the, uh, November 30th. After knowing that Trump, um, that she tested her, so she was feeling sick on the 30th and he eventually tested positive on October 1st. After knowing that he had been in close contact with her and that she was positive, Trump then decided that the best thing for him and his people to do was to fly their happy asses to New Jersey to have a fundraiser, also indoor with few masks. Um, they tried. But you know, to- half of his people don't believe in COVID. You know, they think it's all fake. So <laughs> it's real to her. Oh, hello. Oh, thank hello. you. What- hello. It's like there's like this big disregard for just human life in general. And I just don't understand how and why that is a thing. Like, okay, if you think it's a hoax, put the mask on anyway. Because what if it's not? Like, (sighs) oh, I didn't tell y'all I met. Well, I didn't meet. But I I witnessed a no masker in person (laughs) at the grocery store. Were you away from the no mask person? I was, but I was, um, I was, was I checking out? I was either coming in or checking out. I can't remember at the moment, but I was by the door and all I hear is, I don't need to wear a mask. Like you just hear someone going <laughs> off, yelling. This is in Winn-Dixie. And I'm over here like, who is hollering? Like, y'all, I witnessed one in person. It 
there's something to there. There's something to watch because it's oh like, okay, gosh. you're just coming in here. He's like, I, I don't remember what he was fussing to say he needed to get, but whatever he needed to get essentially was something like in and out. Okay. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, if you're about to be in and out, Where's put the, the mask on for two seconds. Just put the mask for two on. Seconds. Yeah, not you're not about to work a full shift here, you know, so let's go. But yeah, I forgot to tell you, I did. I bear witness to one. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. One of those. One yeah. Thing. Right. <laughs> So um, the the fundraiser in New Jersey was on the first. They were trying to keep Hope's Hicks infection status under wraps. But Bloomberg, you know, Michael Bloomberg and them, Bloomberg reported that they that she had it. And uh, Trump later confirmed the diagnosis on where else but the Sean Hannity show. Which, oh, OK. <laughs> I thought uh, you were about to say Twitter. Well, no, I'm, that's next. So um, at 1 a.m. on October 2nd, he tweeted that him and Melania had it. Um, they were positive. He said he had uh, mild symptoms. I said she didn't have any symptoms at first. I don't know if she ever developed them or not, but he was saying he was having mild symptoms. Um, and, of course, uh, people were, were tracing the, the cluster, the White House cluster, back to um, the Rose Garden nomination ceremony for Amy Coney Barrett. So, basically, this has been a shit show from the onset. <laughs> Um, at this point, there's just a bunch of positive people or people that were positive at some time or another, um, that were, uh, at that particular event. It's Melania Trump, Republican senators, Tom Tillis, Mike Lee, Ron Johnson, uh, his 2020 campaign manager, Bill Stepien, um, Republican party chairwoman, Rona McDaniel, Kelly Conway, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway, Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, or former governor of New Jersey, the Notre Dame University president, John Jenkins, and the press secretary, Kaylee McEnany. Uh, there are also like some her after she tested positive, some of her like direct communication people to her tested positive. It's been crazy. People testing positive left and right. It don't make no sense. But y'all president is having he had a rally on Saturday, didn't he? I think he has one coming up, but wasn't he the same person that decided to leave the hospital, get in his car with his, his Secret Service people? He did that. Just to wave at people. This is the same man that ended up on whatever balcony he was on, took his mask off. If y'all watch that video, he, he is trying he, he is trying his best not to cough, y'all. Like, he's like... He looks like he can't breathe, honestly. He's like he's struggling for breath. But, yeah, he... His mouth quote-unquote mild symptoms right. landed him in Walter Reed by way of Marine One. So they don't sound very mild to me, but you no. know. Who is I me? feel like the symptoms that COVID could give to a man his age, You, it was definitely possible for you to have some real true issues. And they just, the, the hospital, of course, is going to keep it under wraps. And now that I'm thinking about it, you're probably right, Shelly, with the timeline, like he been had it. Yeah, I don't, I don't in, think he just In the got hospital it. was, knew. yeah, he been new. I feel like when he went to the hospital was his worst, regardless if the news telling you, you know, it was mild. No, he was in, he was in there trying to breathe. <laughs> That's what I feel anyway. They gave him all kinds of experimental medicines and basically all the... Did he drink the bleach? <laughs> you, you mean the aquarium cleaner? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> They gave him. Did they, put the, did they put the UV light on over his veins? 
they gave him basically <laughs> top notch American health care. That's what he got. Of course. That he will not pay for. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> his little seven fifty in taxes doesn't cover it. He he will Girl. not pay for it. Um, but yeah, uh, he sent out the the doctors, his White House physician lying about him several times. Um I mean, yeah, he 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 was lying because he wouldn't say that he was on oxygen, even though he was. He was just lying. Uh, and eventually, I think it was Monday, Trump checked himself out the hospital. Basically, I think the report that morning said that he and his doctors were going to decide if he should return to the White House. Once I saw that headline, I looked at Britain and said, "So Trump's leaving the hospital today? Cool. Because what else is going to happen? He he's leaving." Um, there's been people that think this is a hoax from the get-go that he does not have coronavirus. Um, I get inherently just not believing anything they have to say. That resonates with me. What doesn't make as much sense to me as how is this in any way positive for him? It, it doesn't, doesn't look great. <laughs> you said it was a hoax. Suddenly you got it. You got top-notch health care that the rest of us do not have access to. Suddenly you're better. How does that help you look better in the American people's eyes that don't like you? I just I don't see and, what it, good it, doesn't, it didn't it, it didn't do. work. Yeah, I just, I, just, I just don't see what it good work. it would have done him for it to have been a hoax. It just seems like you getting the virus that you have said for months is a mm-hmm. hoax is counterproductive from what you're trying Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. So I never thought it was a hoax. Now, if they're lying about infection date and symptoms, yeah, sure. I'm sure. I'm positive they're lying about all of that. But I don't necessarily think they're lying about everybody having it because this was nothing but a few days of real bad publicity. Um. So, yeah, he, he seems fine. <laughs> I don't believe that he's gotten a negative test, but, I mean, I think whatever. he, if it was a hoax, it was probably a ploy to try to get some type of sympathy from people. That's the only thing I can think of. If, if it is a hoax, like, he was trying to get people to be like, oh, my gosh, he's sick, you know, because, I mean, even in that situation, that's when Joe Biden took took down his negative ads and stuff. Yeah, I didn't So that's the only that thing. I didn't either, but, you know. <laughs> Take him down for what? He's he's sick, not dead. If, What's the if problem? Any, if anything, I would have added on to it, like, is this the guy who said that this was a hoax? Yeah, I mean, he's sick, not dead. It's <laughs> not speaking ill of the dead. It's, right. But I, I don't know why we need to do that, know. but that is what happened. That is what happened. So that's the only thing I could think of. If it was a hoax, was just him trying to get some sympathy votes, maybe. I think my my thing was like it, it was just I, in my head. It just seemed like a ploy because he had the fake papers laid out. Oh, he's working through. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Them blank. His papers. wife posted up Instagram post about how he's diligent in his service to oh, the I didn't country. Even, know that happened. even through yeah, yeah, girl. It was a whole thing. I'm like, this is the whole thing. It was a whole thing. I feel like and, and the the the. Political people or whatever the the what do you, what do you call it the um, political forensic people who go through and like make sure everything's real. They looked at the documents and they were all just blank papers. Oh he yeah, wasn't no, he wasn't like, signing anything. <laughs> he wasn't signing a thing. But that's what I'm thinking. Like I really think it was a ploy for sympathy votes. And now that Paris brought it up, like maybe they were trying to, because like you said earlier, like Biden has been 
whether by small margins, has always been leading in the polls, right? But I just don't know why you why you would think that pretending to be sick, like your whole shtick is that you're this mm -hmm. crazy strong man. I just don't know why you feel, why you know. would feel that appearing sick and weak is the right play with his base. Like because your base doesn't special. Right. Performance that he had. Well, right. Because but of the performance base, of the debate. His I base think he doesn't... was trying to appeal to mm -hmm. because he came off just so rude and jerkish. Bully like, and, yeah. You know, let me appeal to your more humane side and understand that now I have corona and now I'm sick. And now and you know, we all but know someone who's affected, president. you know, so that is my take that I think he did it to just try to appeal to to basically try to just right his wrong from what the night or two nights before. Yeah, and I it was just so. terrible. It yeah, was, it was I terrible. agree. Look, Shelly, I read this thing. I it, apparently it happened in the uh, in the UK that the prime minister kind of did Johnson. the same thing. Yeah, he got sick and and uh, so he, he got had sick an and ended up. He did. He yeah. had an upswing and after so, he got better. Uh, yeah, so I'm thinking his, maybe his team rating. was like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe his team was like, it works for him, so let's see if it works for you. Trump is way I don't know. worse than Boris Johnson. Though. I don't I don't know, y'all. I don't know. It, than Boris Johnson. It, it makes zero sense, but. Yeah, I don't you know. know what the end game is if he's lying. I don't necessarily think he is. I just think. He's crazy. I mean, I, I this is gonna sound terrible. When I heard, it, I was like, I mean, couldn't happen to a better person. Like, who? Just you were running around without mask on for months. What did you think was going to happen? Like, where did where you thought this was going? Agreed. <laughs> I Agreed. just I didn't have it, and so all it ooh, was ooh. it was bound to happen at some point. All though, the Facebook like... Christians that thought I was about to pray for him missed me. Not it will not happen. <laughs> it will not happen. Or I told my mama, I said, mama, the only prayer I'm willing to say is the prayer that I think of in my head every single time. Good sis Nancy Pelosi says, I pray for the president every night. The only prayer I think Nancy Pelosi prays for Trump every night is Lord, take him. That's all I got. Okay. That's all I got. Oh my God. I have nothing else. <laughs> that, I saw this post that was like, so we're not doing natural selection anymore. Dad, he got this. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I wasn't up here actively hoping that he died, but I was just kind of like, <sighs> "Well, yeah." I'm like, "What y'all want me to do? I've been wearing my mask." I, right. Everybody's been doing what they're supposed to do. Like it was a matter of time before, you know, a a it, some cluster. F happened in that White House. Trump has had this, if I die, I die mentality since February. So you're yes. mad at me in October for being like, cool. He said if he dies, he dies. I'm with, I said what I he mean, said. <laughs> I mean, this is the same man, or at least the same party. I don't remember if Trump said it or not. That was talking about, remember when it was out that it would like harm old people? And you had a lot of Republicans that was like, I mean, your grandma lived a long life. Yeah, so. grandma should sacrifice herself. Well, what? <laughs> like, I remember. Where's the sacrificial lamb, Donald? And this is this would definitely be for the greater good. Mm -hmm. So you know, mm -hmm. thoughts and prayers, whatever the Republicans be saying. Cough on Pence on the way out too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just leave my fly out of it, okay? Speaking <laughs> of coughing on pins, the conversation that kind of popped up when he was kind of in the, the middle of the sickness, which, you know, may or may not still be, but, you know, uh, was kind of what happens, the continuity of government, what would happen if he not were to die, but even to go on a vent and can't like make decisions, what would happen? So it is the 25th Amendment that would be invoked. Um, it's been talked about a little bit since Trump's been president already because the 25th Amendment provides um, an avenue for the vice president and the cabinet to say, hey, yo, Congress, we don't think your boy is fit, so I'm going to be the president now. Um, that has not happened, of course. Uh, it also provides an avenue for Congress to basically kind of have some some similar things. Uh, but it, it lays out the whole processes. But this is what, so if Trump, something happens to Trump, of course, the next person after that is Mike Pence. Following Michael Pence, it would be good sis Nancy. Um, mm. Imagine a President Pelosi. She ain't with the sugar honey iced tea. <laughs> I don't think I would mind a President Pelosi. Anyway, so the 25th Amendment was passed on uh, July 6, 1965. It's been used uh, some times. It, uh, it also provides for the president to basically temporarily sign over the presidency to the vice president. Like if he was having normally, most of the time when it's been used, it's been for like, colonoscopies and things like that because they're old people and they're things and procedures <laughs> that they have to have no they seriously have it, 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 that's kind of what it's been it's been like routine procedures that have happened and then he was gonna the president historically had been men he was going to be under some sort of anesthesia or something like that so he would not be capable of making a decision if something happened and so all they do is sign over they like write a letter to congress sign it over to the vice president and when they're done and out of their procedure they just send another letter and say i'm back and ready to, to work and so that happens um so all this kind of being talked about there is some legislation i'm not really i hadn't looked at it but i heard that it exists nancy pelosi has been talking a lot about the 25th amendment ever since trump took sick um <laughs> I think there is something they're going to be trying to get past uh, soon-ish, but I'm not too sure what. So I'm going to look into it and let y'all know. Um, if something were to happen before the election, it would be really hard to replace him on the ballots. Um, doesn't look like he's going to die now, but uh, it would have been really hard to replace him on the ballots. And one of the remedies that was kind of talked about is that basically the, the Electoral College is a sham, y'all. Basically, you're mm, not going to say that. Basically, we elect electors and those electors go and um, basically decide or cast votes ba supposedly based on what we the voters have voted for. Mm -hmm. They cast votes based on that for who is going to be the um, the next president. So they were presuming that if something were to happen to him, the Republicans would just, you know, tell the electors that were supposed to be voting for Trump to vote for somebody else. And I'm not totally sure that's legal everywhere. But um, as I don't it seems, think it is. some states have passed specific laws against that shit. But, you know. Yeah, I remember reading an article actually, like, like fairly recently about um what consequences should that state i forgot what state it was but what consequences should they give the electorals who 
do not vote um, for who the state voted for. I didn't think shit like that happened, but apparently some of them do. Now, it hasn't turned into a situation of the state turned out being red or blue against what the state wanted, but when those states have more than one, apparently there's been like one of them that would be like, well, I know the state want to be blue, but I'm going to vote red. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to figure out what consequences to give to those who do that. I have serious feelings about the Electoral College that we're not going to get into today. But, mm. I mean, it's mm. let's do that after the election. Yeah, right. I, I got right. serious yeah. feelings about the Electoral yeah. College. Right. Mm. Right. Um, <laughs> moving right along to the next dumpster fire already in progress. The presidential debate. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> fire oh my, oh my god come on fire. <laughs> september 29th was the very first uh presidential debate between trump and, and um and joe biden oh guys oh it was moderated by fox News's chris wallace so you know like could not have had a moderator from a more trump favorable network if you tried it's chris wallace Girl. um and it has been best described, in my opinion, as a shit show. That that's pretty much the beginning. I mean, end it's of it. it's been called a shit show on like cable television. National news. As soon news, as it went they, off, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, everybody was like, mm-hmm. "It was a circus or a shit show." And it was all of that, and and yep. and so much more, and all together less at the same time. It was awful. It was terrible. And of course, um, the the biggest ass on stage as usual, was Donald Trump. Absolutely. Um, He was yelling. He was interrupting. He was babbling. He was rambling. He was everything we have come to expect him to be. That was was part of my thing. Everybody was like, oh my God. I was like... He's always been that way. (laughs) Like, he he is who he is. And isn't that why some of y'all voted for him? Yeah, I was just like, why? Y'all like that shit, don't this y'all? Is, this is who I expected him to show up to be because this is who right. he's been. Why would y'all think Always he'd be someone been. different? Um, why would you think he'd be a respectable person? Because M- he's never been. NPR said it was maybe the worst debate, presidential debate in American history. Um... The uh, NBC News said it was a slugfest led by the president's incessant interruptions and misinformation with scattered moments of substantive discussion. That was a great description. (laughs) The New York Times said um, shouting interruptions and often incoherent crosstalk filled the air as Mr. Trump purposely and repeatedly heckled and blurted over his rival and the moderator alike in a 90-minute melee that showcased the president's sense of urgency to upend a race in which t- polls show him trailing. He is trailing. He has been trailing. Um, yes, he has. Hopefully, prayerfully, fingers crossed, he will continue trailing right on into November 3rd. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I was embarrassed watching that. that. It was terrible. I was. I it was, was absolutely too. awful. Uh, I didn't expect better, but it was awful. <laughs> oh, remember was... how I texted y'all and I said, I want to go to Fox to see what they said, what but they I couldn't say. do it. 
Oh, I win. So, <laughs> oh, what they what they said? They, well, the little segment that I caught, they were really tripping on the fact that Biden called Trump a clown. I mean, I was like. That that's all you got out of that? <laughs> Are we gonna go through the litany of damn names he's called everybody else? Right. Y'all stuck on clown? Yo, that was like so I just can't believe he would call the president a clown. I was like, oh really? If the red that rubber nose right? fits. Okay. Calling Listen. a clown a clown? Listen. Right. I didn't understand. I, the, I I thought it was very fitting. But I, yeah. You know what part like really showed me like I've always known that Trump was just like not a good person but the part that disgusted me was when he was talking about Joe Biden's son oh, that I went through drug abuse it. yep I got a clip of it yeah um, that was so disgusting to me mm-hmm. like <sighs> uh so he constantly so I, I think everybody pretty much knows now that Joe Biden has a stutter. He's had it since childhood. Um, and one of the mm-hmm. things that kind of throws people with stutters off is the interrupting and all of that. So uh, people were kind of thinking and talking about later that was part of his strategy for the debate was trying to basically throw Joe Biden off his game uh, by continually interrupting him and kind of over talking him. That that's even more, that's even disgusting too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you, you taking his disability for granted. So like, there were, um, there were like two major, major uh, kind of things that happened in the debate that were kind of widely talked about the next day. Uh, the first was the one Avery just talked about, about, um, uh, Biden's son. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the the clip. We're gonna hold it up. And with regard to more divided, the nation can't stay divided. We can't be this way. And speaking of my son, the way you talk about the military, the way you talk about them being losers and being and and and, and just being suckers. My son was in Iraq. He spent a year there. He got the he got the Bronze Star. He got the Conspicuous Service Medal. He was not a loser. He was a patriot, and the people left behind oh, there really? were heroes. Really? And I resent. Are you talking like about Hunter? Hell. Are you talking about I'm Hunter? I'm talking about my son, Bo Biden. You're talking about. I don't know. I don't know Bo. I know Hunter. Yeah, Hunter you know got Bo. thrown. Hunter got thrown out of the military. He was thrown out dishonorably discharged. That's not true. For it wasn't cocaine use. And he didn't have a job until you became vice president. Once you None became of that vice president, he made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. He my made son, a fortune. My son. And he didn't have a job. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people we know at home, had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's, he's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And I'm proud of him. But why was he given tens son. of millions right, of dollars? But he wasn't given right. tens of millions of dollars. That is totally, that's a totally, discredited. We've already been through this. I think the American people would rather hear about more substantial so subjects. Yes. Well, you know, yes. as the moderator, sir, I'm going to make a, know, a judgment call here. Gets three and a half million okay, dollars right. from the. How, like, yeah. How disgusting do you have to be for one of your, I guess, I don't know, I guess one of your pinpoints was to bring up the drug addiction of your opponent's child. But what I think that did was low-key backfire on Trump because to me and to a lot of people that I've spoken to about that part of the um, 
of the debate is it made Joe Biden a little bit more personable because everybody either has a family member or someone close to them or somebody that they just know that has had a, an addiction to something and is fighting through it or has fought through it. And so you, Trump came out looking disgusting and Biden came out looking personable in that situation to me. And what makes it even worse is that Joe Biden was literally, he was talking about his other kid. Exactly. He wasn't even talking, talking about, about Hunter. Hunter. He was talking, he was talking about, about Bo, who is Joe Biden's son who died May 30th of 2015 from brain cancer. Exactly. He wasn't even talking about Hunter, but Trump was so busy trying to get a shot in that exactly. he could like he, oh God, that was disgusting. That was one of the really mm-hmm. disgusting moments like, of the debate. Um, but y'all like his supporters, that's really like, who no, they yeah, are. they, they with it. They with it. <laughs> Yeah, I um, mean, but you would you would think that like <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I did think that Joe Biden in in the chaos of the debate, he did it in that clip, and he did it um, several times throughout that night when Trump would kind of go in with the crazy and the rambling. Joe Biden wouldn't even look at him; he would look dead into the camera and talk directly to the American people, looking mm-hmm. at serious like combustor. I like that too. And I was like, "Ooh, I like that, Joe." I like that joke. Do that. Yeah. Do that. Um, yeah, I, I did notice that when my when my TV was on mute. But my uh my cap my captions was on. <laughs> and I would see their mouths move, but I could tell the points where Trump was babbling. And you're right, they would put those cameras side by side and mm-hmm. he would just be going and Joe would be looking dead in the camera. And when Joe started speaking, you can tell with his mannerisms that he was speaking with some sense compared to his opponent. Exactly. Stutter, no stutter. A stutter doesn't make anybody dumb. I think that needs to be said because people act crazy. I don't understand. A stutter Mm -hmm. does not mean anything about his intelligence. At all. Anywho, the other moment of the night that got a whole lot of airtime was uh, uh, this one. So here we go. You have repeatedly criticized the the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland? Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I would say say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right wing. So what are you you, you saying? I'm I'm willing to do anything. I want to see peace. Then do it, sir. Say it. Do it. Say it. You want to call them... What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a name. White supremacists and right right boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right wing problem. This is a left wing. This is a left wing problem. White supremacist. Antifa's an idea, not an organization. You got it. Not militia. That's what his FBI, his FBI director said. <sighs> he is so exhausting. Like if you can, if I, I, this part, okay. And y'all, I don't know. Okay. This part right here, right. Made me think about how many black people were upset with Joe Biden when he jokingly was saying how, if you're not black, you're not going to vote for me or whatever it was. Right. 
this man basically just showed you, if you didn't know already, <laughs> that he's racist and he will not denounce white supremacy or anything like that. After that moment, as a minority, why? Why <laughs> would you want to vote for this man? I just, it, it, it brought me back to that because you had all these black people like, he said, if you get black, you're not going to vote for him. And I mean, after that moment, that statement might be true. I don't know, though. But <laughs> Dear white listeners, if someone asks you to denounce white supremacy and your response is stand back and stand, and by, stand by, please never listen again. Just, you know. <laughs> For GP, like, we don't, <laughs> not here for it. I don't understand. <laughs> it was like, what, what do you call it? Like a dog whisper or something? A Is dog whisper, called? but it wasn't even that. It was literally like, like hang on, guys, I'll be right back. Because, like, <laughs> that very night, the Proud Boys, who was the oh, group yeah, they, they were sure talking about, they started using stand back yeah. and stand by as they a sure slogan. Did. They sure did. And I, oh, y'all, sure I was supposed to look up this other story, and I haven't. But did y'all hear... That there was a plot to um, kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen. Wood. I heard. I I saw the 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 article, but I did not read it. Like clearly, I saw Maya the, didn't hear. Look at title. my face. My, Maya didn't no. hear that. No. <laughs> no. I I can't tell you what happened, Maya, because I haven't. I, I just what? But there was a a right wing plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer before the election. Uh, the FBI caught it. It was foiled. But there was there was a plot, bro. People really out here evil. Like people are really some evil beings, and I just don't understand where or why your evilness is just so there. Off of like, I just I don't understand. You plotting to, to kidnap a governor? Like, yeah, make sure y'all go vote. <laughs> go vote. That's what I got. Yep. Uh. So last week on October 7th, there was the vice presidential debate. Uh, it was kind of some chaos, a little bit confusion before it uh, got started because Pence didn't want to have any um, protective like things. He didn't want to have plexiglass. He didn't want to do any of that. And this was all after half the White House had tested positive for coronavirus. So, uh, Kamala wasn't having it, wasn't going to debate him without it. So eventually he acquiesced and they had a debate seated in desks that were the president and um, Biden were six feet apart. They were 12 feet apart. So they were even further apart and they had plexiglass. There was no any type of anything between Trump and Biden. So they tried to make this one more coronavirus friendly, but I mean, we still meeting in person and talking without masks. So we'll see what happens. Um, it was in Salt Lake City and it was moderated by uh, USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page. Um, Page seemed to um, not do very well. <laughs> Chris Wallace didn't do great either at the first one, but Page didn't do very well either in this, uh, the, the vice presidential debates. Generally, uh, the, the sentiment has kind of been that Mike Pence isn't as bad as Donald Trump, uh, when honestly, the sentiment should have been Mike Pence isn't as like brash as Donald Trump. The ideas are the same. 
Um, the <laughs> the energy is generally the same. He just has learned how to basically play politics in where Donald Trump never cared to learn how to play politics. Um, so Mike Pence gave a more um, polished, I guess, performance than Trump. He was still interrupting, uh, causing uh, Kamala Harris to say to him several times, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and eventually, I mean, which she was saying, I'm speaking. Susan Page was, excuse me, Mr. Vice President, excuse me, excuse her, excuse me, were bothering me far more than that. I'm speaking. I kind of enjoyed that. I'm speaking. I mean, sometimes you have to tell somebody that I'm speaking. Yeah, she as was, if they don't already hear you speaking, right? You hear me, <laughs> you right? Guys- I exist, I'm making noise. Cool, okay. Have you guys seen Sex in the City, the first movie? A while ago. I don't remember it. A long time ago. But it was a while ago. At the engagement, and Samantha was giving her speech to Big and Carrie. And Big's, uh, I don't know, colleague or something, like, kept interrupting her. And y'all might have to beat me out. But Samantha was like, she got tired of it, like, by the third time he interrupted her. She was like, hey, dick, what? I'm speaking. <laughs> and everybody started clapping for her because everybody else was annoyed too. And I feel like if Kamala could have like called him out his name. Oh, there were like, several moments. It was written all over her face. <laughs> like it was all over her face. Like yeah. she wanted to like call him out his name. Like you got look. several black mama looks out of Kamala Harris <laughs> on that good stage last week. She was yes, shooting ma'am. them in my eyes. Oh no. Mm-mm. Girl, I didn't got them eyes right. My oh, plenty of times. No, no, ma'am. I don't. I don't want them their eyes. But given the Mike Pence, he deserves. He does. Um. So, as far as her best moment of the night, I thought um, this was a really good one. So here we go. On the one hand, you have Joe Biden, who was responsible with President Barack Obama for the Affordable Care Act which brought health care to over 20 million Americans and protected people with pre-existing conditions. And what it also did is it saved those families who otherwise were going bankrupt because of hospital bills they could not afford. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump, who's in court right now, trying to get rid of, Thank you, trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, which means that you will lose protections if you have pre-existing conditions. And I just, this is very important, Susan. Yes, and it's important. We, need to give, we need to give Vice President. I, I just like, he stop. interrupted me, and I'd like to just finish, please. If you have a pre-existing condition, heart disease, diabetes, breast cancer, they're coming for you. If you love someone who has a pre-existing not, condition, thank you. Thank they're you, coming Senator for Harris. you. If not you are under the age of 26 on your parents' coverage, they're coming for you. Senator Harris, thank you. Um, they're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, they, they're coming for you. They've been coming for you. They've been trying to roll back Obamacare since the beginning. Like, they are truly coming for you. Like, they're... People get so bogged down in... Um, in, in just details and, and dogma that just basic understandings of things seem to get lost. But literally, if you were one of the people that did not have health care before Obamacare, they're coming for you. Like, I don't know what it was else. A true y'all, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what else I need to be told. Like, I, but I, I mean, I and it. whether you know it or not, if you tested positive for COVID, you now have a pre existing condition. That part. 
the hoax. So, you know, figure that when you go to them polls, think about yourself, not just whatever hatred you may have for whoever. Like, truly think about what you need and what is best for you. Please do not vote against your own interest. Um, so some reactions to the, the VP debate, uh, basically, generally, nobody, it wasn't changing any any minds. That, that really wasn't what it was going to do. It was never going to do that. They both got up there and just kind of gave the correct talking points to what the questions were, or, you know, in some cases, not. <laughs> uh, but um, a professor at Rutgers, Brittany Cooper, said, every woman knows what it's like to be interrupted by an excessive mansplainer. That was generally how I kind of perceived Mike Pence that night. He just kept, he would not stop. He kept interrupting her over and over and over. And I mean, whether or not it should, I think it plays differently to continue to interrupt a woman than it did when Joe Biden uh, was continually interrupted by Trump. I just think it played different on TV because I mean, you're watching them and you're just seeing him just continually just go and she's just I mean she's taking it she's smiling she's I'm I'm speaking she's doing all these things to try to continue on focus mm-hmm. and he's just continually coming at us it was just it was a lot it's a whole, whole the lot. um I changed to um um to Fox News afterwards kind of like what Maya did and what you did and they couldn't get off the fact that Kamala kept saying I'm speaking they thought it was disrespectful for her to keep saying I'm speaking. But him interrupting her wasn't disrespectful. Right. I was, it, yo, I, I watched the, the channel for like five minutes and they, like, they didn't change off of Kamala Harris saying I'm speaking and her tone that she had when she said it. And I was yeah. just like, is that is that all you got? She wasn't even like nasty. There wasn't even any edge no, to her she voice. Wasn't. She's literally just like, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. If you allow me to finish, I'm speaking. Like mm-hmm. she she's mm, mm. uh but in kind of that to that end, uh Natasha Rothwell, she's a screenwriter, she said, The needle Kamala threaded tonight as a black woman needs to be acknowledged. How we're perceived is based on a short list of permissible behavior. She was strong, uncompromising, and authentic without falling for the bait meant to cast her as an angry black woman. I am in awe. And that was generally how I left it feeling. I was like, no, you, you gotta I I knew. I told Britain before we watched it, I was like, I'm I'm excited to see. Kamala Harris getting Mike Pence's ass. That seemed like it's going to be a good time. I got my wine. Let's do it. So I, I knew what she was going to do. And so I was really happy to watch her do it. She just got up there and kind of dismantled him. It was great. But the Republicans weren't too excited about it. A Republican pollster, Frank Luntz, said, I might get hashtag canceled for this, but my undecided focus group doesn't like how Kamala, how Kamala Harris interacts with her opponent. We saw this in the Dem debates. She is applauded for her knowledge, but they just don't like her, quote, condescending reaction. <laughs> that silence is what we have for that. That's yeah, that silence is that's it. <laughs> Jesus. Like, I just don't understand how you can pick apart so, like, Kamala Harris. That's what you got. And you do not acknowledge the disrespect, and I mean like blatant disrespect that your party's opponents, I mean your party's 
candidates gave out. Like, how can you give out this disrespect and then act like it doesn't happen and just try to swear up and down? Kamala did. In my opinion, off, like, but in my opinion, I feel like she did not even go as hard as where she like could that. have. Exactly. Like she did not even go. Exactly. To me, I felt like she sugarcoated everything. She sugarcoated everything with a smile. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And to me, that almost was like, and it almost frustrated me because it's like, you could see it in her face. It's like, yeah, she wanted mm-hmm. to go further. She wanted to go mm-hmm. harder. But it's, it's like, like, she wanted to I've go been trained. Regular. I've yeah. been coached. I've been, I can't. She was truly can't, threading that needle. Like, I, I can't yes. do what I want to do. So right. let me rein it in. Or, and or just... say it how I truly feel. You know, like, <laughs> I feel like she couldn't even speak with true passion or conviction. Right. Because then that angry black woman stereotype exactly. or, you know, exactly. all of this was going to. So she couldn't even exactly. say it it's, with, compa- with the passion that she has. You know it's what I'm saying? It's a shame that she had to hold in how she really felt. Meanwhile, these white men can talk how they want and get applauded for it. She had to watch how she spoke. She even she had to watch her tone all the way down to her tone of situations. Like that's and a, do it with a smile though. Mm-hmm. That's the I mean, thing. And do it with a smile I mean, on your face while this man is right, trying to belittle right. you. Yep. Is that's that's a black woman in America right there. What she had to deal with on this stage. Oh. Speaking of of what was dealt with on the stage, y'all saw the fly? (laughs) The best part about the fly, (laughs) the best part about the fly is that the fly has also shown up at Amy Comey Barrett's uh, nomination in the hearing. She had a fly, the fly was on her shoulder. The fly fly lives. Get out of here. Um, so I feel like that fly means something like, girl, okay. It's a sign of something. All I said is all the demon movies I've ever seen, there were flies, but you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, so a fly landed on Mike Pence's head and just kind of hung out there for like two minutes, like a very long time (laughs) and just stayed there. So, um, the, the term, the phrase, the fly has been tweeted and retweeted more than 700,000 times since the debate. <laughs> and Joe Biden's campaign is selling fly swatters, which was, that that gave me life, okay? That's hilarious. <laughs> and they have registered the domain flywillvote.com with a picture of him holding the fly swatter. Uh, yeah, I, I'm here for all the fly slander. I'm, I'm here for it. The, the fly was the best part of the debate. I'm just, I like the fly. The flies what animated everybody. The debate was, I mean, I watched it. She did well. I was proud of her. All that jazz. I was bored. The fly was exciting. That's it. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) Look, I I agree. She did well. The fly was interesting. Pence is just a softer version of Trump. All right. Moving right along. Nobody's nobody's uh, minds were changed at that debate. No, it just didn't happen. Absolutely not. And all this, I, I don't believe there are really any undecided voters left. That's just where I am. I don't know how at this juncture you could be undecided. It's either you're voting for the races or you're not. Like that's what we are at this point. Like there's <laughs> no more political, true political issues. Yeah, because racism should not be. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Real simple. That's just that's just what it is at this point. 
And I mean, even right there, like you're going to vote for a guy that can be held accountable or a guy that will tell you to your face that you didn't see what you just saw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Oh, do y'all remember? And I, I don't want to just go back, but do y'all remember during the debate? Um, this is Trump and Biden's debate where they were asked why the African African-American community should vote for them. And do y'all remember Trump's response? His response was because he said the police department in, I don't want to say, I don't want to misquote the two states he said, but he said two states, I don't know, like Texas and Florida, because I have tremendous support from the mm-hmm. police departments in Texas and Florida. What and I said, with me? nothing. And that <laughs> is why we should vote for you. <laughs> That's why black people should vote for you because of the police and the backing that you got in Texas and Florida. Well, it just let it, he's just so out of, touch and he, he's just I, I just don't understand how I don't know how if you're a black person I just don't know how you're voting for him because this man from day one he does not like the, the color of your skin you are beneath him you are less than him like I don't know what else he has to do to let you know that he does not have your best interest and so when I come across supporters who are of my hue or some shade within, and they say that they are a proud Trump supporter, it gives me pause. (laughs) It gives me pause. It's almost, I want to be like, so what's up with that self-hate you got going on? Like, working? Like I almost want to, like, I I don't want to attack you like that, but it almost makes me question, like, Oh, no, I question. I, I... I, no. I don't think that you, at the same time, love Donald Trump and your blackness. You don't do that. You can't. You don't do that. You, you just can't. don't. I, I don't care. You don't do that. Because <laughs> if you truly loved your blackness, you could not love Donald Trump. Full stop. Mm-mm. You cannot do both. No. Yeah. Especially after he would not denounce white supremacy. Well, like, yeah, if that didn't yeah. make it clear, but if right. you weren't clear before, that should have just that should have made it hit clear you on right your there. forehead. Like, boom. It so. should have. It right. should have. Right. But, but, just... but you're right, Maya. Like, told you guys, like, it made me go back to this, this quote or this joke, whatever Joe Biden said that made black people upset. Like, you know, if you're not black, you if you don't vote for me, you're not black or whatever. Like, at this moment... That's a true statement. <laughs> if it wasn't before, it is now. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. You got some people that's about to go and make their little non-voting statements or whatever they think that's going to do. <sighs> or the other ones who are just, well, I'm just not going to vote because they both suck. You know? We see yeah. that. Um, look, thank, they, thank you. <sighs> Because honestly, you cannot tell me that Hillary Clinton and her emails would have landed us where the hell we are today. Absolutely you not. Made me believe it. Absolutely not. Speaking of all skin folk not being our kin folk, let, let's <laughs> talk about Good Brother Daniel Cameron. Girl, I already knew you was who you was about to say when you said all skin folk and kin folk. Um, Mr. Cameron, come to the front of the congregation, please. Look. Come here. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> so on October 3rd, uh, Saturday Night Live, did y'all watch it? 
Uh-uh, I didn't watch no. it. It was like one of the highest rated season premieres in four seasons. It was hosted by Chris Rock. And the musical guest was Megan The Stallion. Um, Sounds like I should have watched that. It was good. It was real okay. good. So um, there, there, there were some things that happened. So I'm just going to play the clip. Of the clip is the response, but I'm just I want y'all to to hear all of this because this I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Daniel speak for him. Start at the wrong part. And during a musical performance, the singer uh, mentioned you as well. We're gonna play this and then get your reaction. Watch. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery by statute. We need to protect our black women and love our black women. Because at the end of the day, we need our black women. Okay. So that's what happened at Saturday Night Live. Um, Megan Thee Stallion, this was the first song. You know, they, they performed several songs over the course of the show. This is the first song she performed. Uh, it was her and her dancers. They were dancing in front of a black, uh, um, a backdrop, like a background. Uh, right before this part, there were like bullet holes in the, in the, backdrop, in the backdrop. What is actually being played is, um, well, she... Initially, there were she paused it. She played the um the Malcolm X quote. She played that the uh, the most hated, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected, neglected person in America is the black woman who taught you to hate the na- the texture of your hair, uh, the color of your skin, the shape of your nose. Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? So that played. Also, um, what you heard about uh, Daniel Cameron being called a sellout, that was good sis Tamika Mallory. She was speaking after um, the, um, the decision came out that the grand jury in Kentucky only decided to indict one of the officers in the murder of uh, Breonna Taylor. And do not let my words confuse you. He was not indicted for the murder of Breonna Taylor. He, Breonna Taylor, he was um, charged with wanton endangerment. And that charge was in regards to her neighbor's who uh, bullet holes went through their apartment as they were shooting and murdering Breonna Taylor. So that's the only charge. There, there are no murder charges. There's nothing. It's one of the officers, one of the three, being charged with wanton endangerment. So it was following that statement, uh, that decision being kind of released and talked about that uh, Tamika Mallory made that statement. Um, so I'm going to let Daniel Cameron go ahead and respond as he responded on Fox News. I don't even know who he's talking to, but one of the people. Attorney General? Well, let me just say I agree that we need to love and protect our black women. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, but the fact that someone would get on national television uh, and make disparaging comments about me because I'm simply trying to do my job uh, is disgusting. Uh, but it's not the first time we see this, and it certainly won't be the last time we see this. Uh, at the end of the day, my responsibility uh, is to provide facts and truth and represent and stand up for justice. Uh, I think what you saw there in that display is someone who instead uh, wants to fashion facts to a narrative. That narrative is simply not true uh, in this particular case uh, with Ms. Taylor. 
Again, it is a tragedy what happened to her. But what you saw on the screen there and what your viewers saw is something that I've had to experience because uh, I'm a black Republican, uh, because I stand up for truth and justice as opposed uh, to giving in to a mob mentality. Uh, and those are the sorts of things that will be hurled at me uh, in this job. Uh, those are the sorts of things that I've heard uh, when I was in college. Uh, again, because of I, I identify with a different political philosophy and therefore that shades the way people view me. The fact that a celebrity uh, that I've never met before wants to make those sorts of statements, uh, they don't hurt me, but what it does, it exposes the type of intolerance uh, that people, uh, and the hypocrisy, because obviously people preach about being tolerant. You see a lot of that from the left about being tolerant, uh, but what you saw there is inconsistent with tolerance. In fact, it's, uh, it's her espousing intolerance uh, because I've start, decided to stand up for truth and justice, but I. That's enough. I I'm done with Daniel. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> How is he, attorney, trying to use that logic with intolerance? Girl. That that is that did not even correlate. Not only is he an attorney, he is the attorney general. Yeah, he is of the attorney in the state. Like he is it. Wait, I'm trying to understand how is she intolerant of you and your failure to properly and adequately fulfill the duties of your job. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not that. I mean, and you want to talk about you a black Republican? You know how many black Republicans I know? Does I'm, he not know my fiance is the whole Republican? Child. My daddy is a Republican. Like these whiny stop. black Republicans work on my nerves. These everyone stop. hates me because I think differently work on my nerves because you and I know that me and your fiance are as diametrically politically opposed as two people <laughs> could possibly be. Absolutely. And that is my buddy. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know, let me not say Republican. Let me not say that because I, they, they have conservative, conservative view. Right. They are right. very conservative and they have very conservative viewpoints. So let me not say Republicans. So I know plenty of conservative, right wing, right leaning black folks who, who still understand this and, and, and this, mm -hmm. this that we live in every single mm -hmm. day. Mm hmm. Tim he, Scott ain't one of them, just for, for the record. He's not. Tim Scott's he, not one of them. He's not. He's not. <sighs> yeah. I, have, I have family members who are Republicans, too, and they don't negate the fact that there's still an issue Thank with you. a lot of things that, that are going on in this country. So he's just... Thank you. And they, they for damn sure not running up in the line to go vote for Trump, let me tell you that. Thank you. Daniel Cameron screams of the kid in college who had no black friends. None. No black friends. That that was Daniel. That, <laughs> that, that was that's good. our fault that too, though. I'm sure that's the black people's fault too, though. Well, everything's, everything's Probably. We didn't accept him and his conservative viewpoint. And that was really always the problem. And the white people do? Please, the moment you get out that room, they are sitting there talking about you and calling you every which name underneath the sun. They're just like, happy to have a token that can say the same things as them. Thanks, so they, they don't like so you. So they can say, look, my black friend said. They don't like you. They don't. So there's yeah. been some confusion about um, kind of how this case was handled, specifically by Daniel Cameron in his office. 
uh, because um, after the decision was made, he kind of came out and made it kind of seem as if the grand jury just kind of unilaterally decided that only one officer should have been uh, a charge. That's just kind of how he characterized it within the press conference that he initially had following the decision. And then one of the grand jury members basically kind of sounded the alarm that that wasn't how it had gone down. He only presented to them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. He only presented to them basically evidence that supported this wanton endangerment charge. He didn't, he didn't tell them about murder, any, any murder, any of the murders. Any degree or lesser crimes. <laughs> any like murders. Wrong. No manslaughter. Nothing. The only thing he discussed was wanting endangerment. Yep. Um, I think that he ain't nothing but a punk because when I listened to another time I was watching Fox News, I like to see where other people's brains are. But what he said was the reason why he didn't bring those things up is because he didn't think he'd be able to win on those charges if it went to trial. And so to him, he thought, well, there's no reason for me to bring it up to the jury anyway. So it's all about a win. It's Basically, all you can get a win. Yeah. What you feel like you can do. It's not about trying to seek the truth and justice, for, you know, for to right the wrongs, you know what I'm saying, that have been done. It's yeah. about whether or not you can put a check mark or a W next to your name. Exactly. That's what it's about. Exactly. Oh, okay. Exactly. Just just wanted to make sure I exactly. understood it, where it, we were it, at. It pissed, it pissed me off when I heard him say that. And, of course, everybody on the show was so understanding of where he came <sighs> from with that, Gosh. with that, you know, with that excuse. So the juror that kind of made it public that that was not what happened ended up filing a motion with the court to basically have the transcripts released of what the actual um, grand jury proceedings like. He, they wanted the, the tapes of the, the proceeding released. So uh, it was some kind of lingo wrangling about when they were going to get them but ultimately they were released and on the tapes um, <laughs> one of the officers describes being confronted by a quote larger than normal shadow of a person um which every time they they kill one of us suddenly we turn into like these superhuman beings all the time we're we're able to reach guns with with hands that we don't have Alton Sterling we're able to just do all kinds of things I'm able to to beat you as I'm I'm walking away from you. I'm able to do all kinds of things, and that's kind of what this whole this dark, shadowy, larger than normal person. That's what they gave me vibes of, and I ain't like it. Um, he also uh, definitively so told the jurors that Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, um, I can't think of his name at the time. His last name was Walker, but they said that he told the jury that Walker shot one of the officers that has not been confirmed. Um, one of the officers was shot, but there have also been reports that, uh, Walker like shot into the ground. It was a warning shot. He didn't actually shoot at the officers. So it's very likely that, he was struck by friendly fire and not Walker at all. But he told the grand jury that Walker shot an officer. So none of this was looking good for Daniel Cameron. Um, 
there is going to be an investigation uh, from the FBI into kind of what goes on um, after this. But after the tapes came out, the lawyer for the Taylor family, Mr. Ben Crump, penned a letter to uh, Daniel Cameron. I'm just going to read it to y'all. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. In May, the Commonwealth Attorney referred this case to your office. You were asked to appoint a special prosecutor. Rather than do so, you kept this case in your office. It is now clearer than ever that this was a case where you decided early on that your office would never actually prosecute against Officers Cosgrove, uh, Mattingly, and anyone else responsible for the unlawful death of Breonna Taylor. Your office refused to even allow a grand jury to seek indictments against any of these three officers with relation to Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor. You were biased throughout the process and intentionally deprived justice for Breonna and her family. Because your office is unwilling to fulfill your duties, we demand you that you recuse yourself from this matter and have the Kentucky Prosecutor Advisory Council appoint a special prosecutor who is willing to allow a grand jury to actually do its job, deliberate over all possible charges, and render a decision on a true bill for each. All lives have value. Bree's life had special value because of, because of the sacrifices she made for her community. So they want a special prosecutor to uh, basically fix what Daniel has screwed up. Um, I'm here for that. But all this, so aside from this being egregious and horrible and no nothing that even resembles justice for the family of Breonna Taylor, what this made me think about is what... Um, how do y'all characterize our responsibility as black attorneys kind of to the community at large? How do y'all kind of think about that? Because that's what's been pissing me off about Daniel. I understand that all skin folk ain't your kin folk, but at the same time, it really pissed me off <laughs> that it's a black man at the helm of this just complete miscarriage of anything that resembles justice. Like it, it bothers me differently because it's a black man. And I don't know whether or not it should, but it definitely does. I think Maya's trying to speak, but she's muted. I can't hear you, Maya. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was talking, though, too. <laughs> I was agreeing with you, though. I It does bother me. It, it does, because one of the... When you played Cameron's clip, um, one of the things that he said is that he agrees that, you know... Uh, that black women's lives should be honored. And then the very next thing he says is, but, hmm. and my mom has always told me when you say, but you are negating the, the very mm -hmm. thing Everything you just said before. Yep. yep. So when he said, but I just, Oh, okay. So you, you already know some BS, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it, it hurts me at the simple fact that you want to point blame at the black community. Let me tell you something. There are, so many different I just I hate when people just classify all black people are this because let me tell you I've met some all the way left all the way right all the way up all the way down uh gay straight bi asexual like right. black people just don't come in one generic we are not a monolith. right 
you know? And so for you to classify, well, I've been treated like this all my life and the black community wasn't accepted. No, 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 no. You probably chose to ostracize yourself Mm -hmm. from us. Mm -hmm. Because he has a very condescending view about the black community. Exactly. So why would a community that that is your reaction to react to you differently? Like, mm. what do I owe you, Daniel? Nothing. <laughs> but you, you owe me in the community to do your damn job, which you have not done. Well, yeah, I think to piggyback on all of that is that not only does it hurt a little bit more as with him just being, you know, a black person in general, but whether he was black, white, or indifferent, just do right. Yeah. Right. Just do right. Right. <laughs> like, you are at this point... I feel like he's just covering his ass and everybody else's ass that's in it for the state at this point. I mean, because I remember being disgusted at the situation of there was a, um, it was Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend that they were trying to come to him with a plea deal mm-hmm. to say, you know, well, if you say Breonna was a part of X, Y, and Z, we'll give you a plea deal. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like you are, you are so far on the wrong side of this. That there's low-key no coming back at this point. Mm-mm. Like, just do right from the get-go. If y'all killed her, y'all y'all did it. Live up to that shit and go on about your business. But for you to continue to keep covering this up and keep half-assing shit, like, that's the part that pisses me off. <laughs> and then elevating himself of, as the victim in right. the situation. Like, I can't I mean, believe it, a celebrity would say right. these things about me. Are you serious? <laughs> like, I mean, even in the whole situation, like, bro, we talking about the case and here you come talking about your own personal thoughts of and what happened to you in college through. yeah in your life this ain't about you right now not but in you that, still breathing not though in that right context right right okay, right. okay. but you all, still breathing. all those okay. mean mean black kids that didn't want to be your friend did any of them shoot you in your bed it, while you were sleeping mm. no girl it's ugh. just do right that's all i'm asking you to do just do right mm. so do y'all feel a sense of obligation like to the community like is that is that just an underlying black thing because to me it, it like it comes with the territory so black people that that doesn't happen for confuse me like i don't it, it, like, let it me say to confuse. an extent to an extent Where's okay. the extent? because because a lot of black attorneys believe it or not they come into the profession to make money not to well, cater yeah, to their community to, right. to cater and to I'm not, community. I'm not, you know, discounting anybody's mm-hmm. pockets. Right, right. make right. your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. But I they don't care. Know. A lot of them don't care how it comes or where it comes from or right. what you have to to sacrifice to and that, gain. That's that. kind of been my thing because <laughs> I, I know that I could probably get a different job that mm-hmm. would have me doing things that I would not like to do. Um, as far as like. Towards the community, like I just, I, mm, I have no desire to work for anyone's district attorney office. I just don't. <laughs> I, I don't have that desire within me. I don't think I could do it and sleep well at night. All like I just, I don't think I could. And so it, it just confuses me to see people be elevated to these positions, a position that like literally, because a lot of times when we're voting, and if you're a less informed voter, you're just voting for the black guy. And so if that was the case in this particular situation, which I mean, it's not good to just vote for someone based on their skin color ever in general, that's, that's fine. But just 
this would be the person. I mean, I don't even know if they vote for attorney general in, in Kentucky. I don't know what they do, but this would be the person that you put in this position. Like, cause that you feel a certain amount of kinship with people that look like you, whether or not you should. Right. And ugh, I just, Daniel Cameron bothered me. Like I want, I, I want to fight him. I did. I want to fight yeah. him. <laughs> um, so do, do y'all feel differently about it when it is a black person kind of doing it to us? Well, yeah, yes. I do yes. because you you would feel like, you know, in these different types of situations, right? You would feel like that you are on the same or I would think that you are on the same side of this, you know, oppressive nature that you would understand more. And I think that is why it's, frustrating when you do see a black person that don't get it or you feel like they don't get it because it's as if it's like are we living in two different worlds like do is it better over there for you than it is over here for me because I feel like we should have some type of connection I mean when it comes to an attorney that is not the same race as me it's understood that you don't understand me it's understood that you have a disconnect of why I feel the way I feel and why you basically don't understand because you've never experienced it. Right. But I feel like when I see a, a, a black attorney who is in that position, you know, and is not being sympathetic or have any type of consideration of the environment, it pisses you off. Because it, 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 well, for me, it pisses me off and it confuses me because I'm trying to figure out did we, did we grow up in the same country because. Are we not I'm, living in the same yeah, world? Yeah. Like it's like, it's, <laughs> it'll, it'll make me scratch my head a little bit because it's, and, you know, it, it's like, do you not get it? Do you not see where we are right now for you to pull this stunt? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. That's how, that's how I feel. Like, you know, if it was a white person, you don't get it. You don't have my experiences, you know, so whatever. But I would feel like in most cases, I guess, you know, if you are the same hue as me, you at least understand where I'm coming from, even if you didn't experience exactly what I've experienced. Right. But that's. Yes. I got nothing for Daniel Cameron. Absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, I don't have I hope someone either. looks into how all this was handled. I think they are and realize mm-hmm. kind of the miscarriage of justice that did happen. Uh, and, you know, consequences or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's it for our topics. Our Black National Treasure. Mm hmm. So on August 28th, 2020, Chadwick Boseman passed away. Uh, Chadwick Boseman starred in movies, basically bringing us kind of like some of your best hits of black great people. He played Jackie Robinson. He played James Brown. He played Thurgood Marshall. And probably most notably, he played uh, King T'Challa in Black Panther. Um, so Black Panther, uh, in case you missed it, I don't know how you could have, was this kind of epic, (laughs) this epic thing to happen to, uh, I would say black Americans, but it really was just kind of black people, wherever they happened to find themselves at the time that the movie came out. Um, if you saw it, and I hope you did, and if you haven't, you need to. If you saw it, um, you saw this wonderful black utopia with technology and science and progress and all these wonderful things. And it was basically if um, 
Africa had been untouched by the colonizers. So it was just, it was a really good movie. It was kind of this real unifying cultural phenomenon for black culture. It was, it was great. And Chadwick was the star. He was the kind of the, the helm of all of that. Um, and so what we didn't really know is that while he was, portraying all these great giants of black history and whatnot he um he was already fighting cancer he had colon cancer he was diagnosed in 2016 they kept it under wraps they didn't tell anyone and so because of that his death was even kind of more shocking um I don't think anybody I mean other than his family that knew I don't think anyone out publicly was prepared for for the death of Chadwick Boseman, it 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 it, <laughs> it gives new meanings. Kind of, it hit different. Like it was like, oh wait, what? Who? I, I told Britain. I saw the notification on my phone. I told Britain. I was like, Chadwick Boseman died, and he what? And I just kept repeating it. He what? No, you're hearing the words. Like I'm saying it. You hear me? I know you don't believe me, but like you hear me. Like. I, mm -mm. The death of Chadwick Boseman was awful. He had a four-year struggle with um, with the disease and ultimately did succumb to it. Um, the day after he passed away, the tweet in which his family announced his death was the most liked tweet ever on Twitter with uh, 6 million likes in under 24 hours. Um, prior to his death, he married his longtime girlfriend, Taylor Simone Ledward. There are rumors that she's pregnant. It has not been confirmed. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how she would feel about that, but there are some rumors that she is pregnant, but I, I couldn't find anything to confirm that, but she may or may not be. I'm not sure. Um, and the only kind of bright spot in any of, of this is that on December 18th of this very year, 2020, Chadwick Boseman's final film is set to be released. So he filmed one more before he uh, passed away that has not yet been released. It is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It is co-starring Viola Davis and produced by none other than Denzel Washington. So I'm excited for the movie. That's about to be good. <laughs> when I heard the people involved, I was like, Oh, just take my money. I mean, but I've heard that <laughs> I've heard money. that title before. I think it's a play or a book or something. It's something literary that they're making into a movie. Okay. So yeah, this one, this one hurt. This one hurt a lot. I, I just mm -mm. this one hurt a lot. I like. I had to like check the Twitter account and I went on his Instagram to make sure. I got the right notification because it, it hurt so bad. Like, you know, other than him being a great actor, like the type of um, consideration he put into what he did mm -hmm. is what made him such a great person. Because, like, I mean, I've, after he passed away, looking at all of these interviews, you know, he took pride in what he did. He knew he had a purpose. And he made sure that what he did gave light to people, especially black people, but gave light to people. It made them think, it made them feel good. You know, it. I mean, being able to play people like, you know, uh, uh, Lil Richard and Jackie Robinson and, and King T'Challa, 
Like he knew the type of impact those movies would make. Even in um, what is it, Five Bloods that came out that Spike Lee did was still a moving movie. Right. You know, mm-hmm. he had purpose mm-hmm. in the things that he did. He just didn't do things for a check. He made sure that people were moved by his art. He made art. Yes, and it was impeccably done go. every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. You will definitely be yeah. missed. You are so missed to where people have made sure to let Marvel know that you will not be replaced. Yeah, we don't we don't want another one. Y'all just go ahead. Uh I heard in the comic books that Shuri becomes the next Black Panther mm-hmm. after she does. so just go ahead and elevate cuz y'all can't <laughs> we, we we don't want it. <laughs> nope. We don't want it. Y'all are not nope. going Aunt Viv Fresh Princess. We don't want it. We refuse. Mm-mm. And even the Aunt Viv, we still mad about that. Yeah, we refuse. We don't we, we y'all not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it uh, for everything except for our closing statement um, so the closing statement um, is by none other than the great RBG notorious um, RBG so this is for her and it's a statement about dissent and justice and she says dissents speak to a future age is not simply to say my colleagues are wrong and I would do it this way. But the greatest dissents do become court opinions and gradually over time, their views become the dominant view. So that's the dissenters hope. They are writing not for today, but for tomorrow. Hmm. I'm so sad, y'all. I'm so sad. I know. So but sad. I like that, though. I it's like what quote, she said. It's a great quote. It's truth, too. Like, there's a lot of things. I don't know if you guys did this, but if you would go back and read Supreme Court, um, and I would see the dissent, and I'll see that it was... Um, I'll go straight to her, her opinion on the on the case. And see what her mindset was before I venture off to everybody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, this is where you are. Okay, let me go back and see what these other people said. Because they're probably going to piss me off. But, you know. But she's great. She's awesome. Absolute best. Yeah. There's a documentary on her that's absolutely awesome on Hulu. And there is a movie on her life. I think it's called like Battle of the Sexes or something. Uh, Have not watched it yet, um, the, but her documentary is like the basis of sex. Okay, on the basis well, of sex. But the documentary I watched, like it comes on with her exercising. Oh, because yes, listen, Ruth was a fierce exerciser. She had a yes, personal she trainer. To, her personal trainer put out a statement after she died. Like, my girl was doing everything she could to make mm-hmm. it. Okay, everything. Yeah. She could. So All if right, you have y'all. the time, go watch her life. <laughs> Early voting in the great state of Louisiana starts on Friday, October 16th, 16th, which is Avery's birthday, and goes all the way to October 27th, which is my birthday. Come on with the early voting. As a birthday (laughs) gift to either one of us, please please take yourself to your nearest polling station and cast a vote. 
unless Thank you intend you. to vote for Donald Trump, then you know you could not. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking, y'all. know everybody needs to go vote. Please go Everyone's vote. Vote, go vote, 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 yeah. vote, vote, vote. Uh, but yeah, early voting from October 16th to October 27th, election day, of course, is November 3rd. Uh, Please decide kind of what you're going to do. If you're going to early vote, make sure you get that handled. By now, you should have already applied for your mail-in ballots, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So if you have, get them back in the mail ASAP because the Postal Service has been a whole other thing lately. Um, You do not have to mail them. You can drop them off at a polling location. So just, you know, just get a plan and decide whatever is the best thing, the safest thing for you and your family because voting is not optional. It, it's, it's not an optional activity. It's really not. Like, it needs to be happening. It shouldn't be. Every single time. Every single election. Like, this is how things get done. It just is, guys. Okay. Make sure you're dropping it off at the right at the right place and once you get in the building in the right place too um i think i i want to say it was california but it was um the republicans in california i forgot what city it was but they purposely um they purposely put the wrong name on the wrong ballot box where you would drop it off a girl it was actually saw that um article yesterday but um yeah they purposely change the name on it so anyway make sure if that's what you're going to do is to go and put it in the right spot also another tip is that um if your state have the type of ballots that are on paper and whatnot um i know louisiana or at least lincoln parish gives us a little card and it's the electronic thing but if you're one of those places where you have to write in, make sure that they don't write any anything before they give you your ballot because it might invalidate it. Make sure the only thing written on there is what you write, not the people at the place. Because that's happened too, unfortunately. So, there we go. If you have any questions, you can always check the Secretary of State website. It's SOS.LA, I think. Maybe not. That might not be the right address. But there is Secretary of State website. All this information about mm-hmm. voting is on the website. So please do check if you have any questions. Um, if it's something that you can't figure out, reach out to one of us on social media. We will get it figured out. Like, it's that important. Um, so, yeah, that's it, guys. Uh, we love y'all. We're sorry for being gone so long, but we are back. We're um, here. And we're... Welcome back, welcome back, welcome <laughs> back. Look, blame it on Corona. Blame it on Girl, Corona. Corona. There we go. So many things. So many, many things. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back. Uh, we will be back with a regular episodes going forward. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for rocking with us. Thanks for hanging with us. And whatever happens, happens. We're going to be all right either way, y'all. Good night. Good night, y'all.